Gardening Radio. I'm Ray Burton and welcome to another Let's Talk Gardening podcast. Our mission is to provide listeners with interesting, informative topics and up-to-date information. My co-host is Faya Caro, an award-winning gardener, horticulturalist and media presenter. Faye's passion is educating people. Oh, and she loves bugs a lot too. My passion is simply beautiful, healthy gardens. And together, each week, we cover many great gardening subjects. Saturday morning and here come the girls, Ray and Faye, with Let's Talk Gardening. And greetings, gardening friends. Great to share another Saturday morning with you. We love to do that and the team is ready. We have Bev Daring and John Glennon standing by each and every week, ready to assist you and us. Our lines are open, 94841927. Cheers to the very clever Alan Simons and his different point and touch on the music that he chooses and plays, which is refreshing and I personally really enjoy it. Alan was supported by long-term Curtain Radio volunteer Rob Miller. Thank you very much, boys. And not forgetting, of course, our cycling DJ, Jim Crinan. Okay, and cheers to... Cheers to everybody. Cheers to you, Faye. I'm losing my plot already. Yeah, we've got our coffee here. I was about to say you can email us this morning, gardening at curtainfm.com.au. Yeah, it's been one of those weeks, hasn't it? We were just saying off air, wowee. (laughs) I know. And I was just saying this show just feels like a springboard to the weekend because (laughs) here we go, two hours of Let's Talk Gardening Mm -hmm. and then off to do the circuit. There's so much on this weekend. There's been so much on in the last few weekends, hasn't there? And if Mm. we're not in your garden, you're looking at someone else's garden, Mm. aren't you? And it's just been... Or talking about it. Or talking about it. So, yes, it's... uh, it is our obsession. We love it. Uh, but, yeah, sometimes sometimes the, the bump and grind of real life actually uh, interrupts us, doesn't it? Uh, I know. Yes. I got a bit of a reality check this morning. Eddie told me how much we'd spent over the last two months. <laughs> and what? he looked at me like it's as you. if it was a bad thing. And I thought, yeah. that's yeah. actually pretty good. Right? We've really increased you. our asset base. <laughs> I think this week alone I have another two dozen pot plants um, and more on the way, so that's very exciting. But it, it's all <laughs> happening this weekend, Ray. I personally have got a lot to get through. Yeah. Um, I've got a list of things here. First cab off the rank is a, a plant. I want to do a correction. Last weekend we uh, answered yes. an email from Colin and I sort of begrudgingly it said... It wasn't sitting a, with you well. No, no. Yeah. I said it was a bromeliad. Not that I thought it was. Anyway, lo and behold, we went to Jude Scott's open garden in Canning Vale and Mm. there it was in the garden. Isn't that often the way? When something puzzles you or you're having trouble IDing something, it presents itself. It did, twice. It happens. And at Shirley's son's place. We made a stop there and there it was right at the front door. So hence... Uh, she proceeded to pull up the garden and I have a cutting for you. But it's actually um, like related to Moses in the Cradle, which is the yes. Roeo, Roeo or yeah. Trade Scantier family. Yeah. And this plant has, um, you know, it, it does come up like a bromeliad mm. and the, the leaves are all the way around. Uh, 
Yeah, coming up a stem, it grows from stolen, so it multiplies across the ground and grows dead so easy from cutting. So mm. I'm so pleased that <laughs> that we're able to get get that to right. the bottom of that one. Now Patricia sent us a message on the Curtain Radio Facebook page or group, and she asked about something that was eating the rind off. Her lemons, yeah, you know, the, the mm. risk that it could be rats or possums. Mm. And a friend referred her to discussions that we'd had here. You know, Ray, for the whole week, I could not think about what what exactly that might be. And then on the way in, down the driveway, looking at the yellows, it suddenly dawned on me. It may actually relate to a podcast where we spoke to... Christine Brazen from Kanyana and we talked about possums and wildlife. So it's possible that that would be the one that Patricia might be needing to listen to. And that podcast was from the 3rd of July. So if you wanted to to re-listen to a discussion about native animals, Mm. of which there are many, Mm. that might be a good one to listen to. John also suggested the possibility of listening to not listening to it, but setting up a motion detection camera and you can buy them for as little as $80 mm, and mm. they will work at night time as well. It's important to ID the problem, isn't it? Because it, it can is. be many, any of a number of things. And yeah. you, mm. don't, you don't know. There are mm. a lot of native animals around. Mm. Just because you hadn't seen a possum doesn't mean mm. they're not, not there. there. You might assume that that's rats in the roof. Mm. But it might not be. So you could put out a live trap. That That's another alternative. Mm. Mm. As well. Okay, now today's show is sponsored by Soil Solver, Landscape Industries Association Product of the Year. The answer lies in the soil. Now, Ray, if you don't mind... I don't I, mind anything. I would like to just quickly cap what's on this weekend because yesterday I was helping set up at the... Fern Society and Palm and Cycad show. Yeah. And I was um, well, not sure what the word is. I was taken aside by Norm and George. They had some exciting news. And do you remember we got an email about a Cycad that had brown tips? A Cycus Revoluta and all the edges oh, were yeah, brown. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and of course... It's a certain um, species. It is. It's mm. Cycus Revoluta aurea, A U R E A, and it's it's desirable. We it would is. have looked it at has it. Has a yellowing thought, on it. Mm, mm. We would have thought it's it has deficient. a deficiency mm. or there's a problem with it. Mm. But it, in fact, is a type of cycad. Going beyond that, George excitedly showed me an article in a newsletter um, of one of the the magazines, and it showed. A yellow cycad, a golden yellow cycad, and all these other cycads growing on a cliff out in in nature. Mm. Now, the thing is, what's got us so excited, he has got two pups that are showing this yellow. Not just the edging, but yellow. The whole plant. The whole plant Mm. or or a portion of it. So yeah. I do like them. I know I don't it's think you're amazing. a fan, but I saw them last year and I was drawn to it. That's there was one, but it wasn't for sale, but it was no. there for people to look at. Well, and Norm was taking a plant in today for people to look at. 
he, you know, they, they quizzed me about whether it would be worth taking it in. And yeah. I said, yes, I would talk about it. Yeah. I've also taken photos yesterday. I've put them on my Facebook page and the Let's Talk Gardening Facebook page so people can see what they're talking about. Now, the show is on today. There are heaps of ferns, palms, cycads, bromeliads. There's indoor plants. There's rare plants. Some you won't get anywhere else, but go and see Norm and have a look at this plant that he's taking in. Tell him Faye told you, <laughs> just so that he knows I did get it across. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that looks great. The Cactus and Succulent Society also had their show on this weekend, and that's at the South Perth Community Centre, Sandgate Street. So two fabulous shows on Within this weekend. Within kooey of each other. And the second last open garden this weekend. And we will be speaking to Lena Elliott uh, later this morning. Yes, indeed. And that's in Beverly. All right. We're in Dianella. Caroline, thanks for waiting. Oh, that's no problem. Thank you, ladies. You're welcome. Um, I'm ringing on behalf of um, a friend of mine. He's got beautiful roses in his garden and the leaves are yellowing and he wasn't quite sure. He's very attentive to them, mm. but he's, he doesn't know a lot about gardening. So I was just wondering why the leaves would be yellowing. Okay. The, um, there might be a bit of black spot around at the moment and there are, as as well as rust, so a couple of fungal diseases that might be causing the problems. You'd probably see either black spots on the upper side of the leaf or pustules of rust under the leaf. Now, what the plant will then do is drop the leaves and mm. it's a good idea to clean them up so these diseases don't spread. Now, oh, yeah, you've got it, a lot of roses here. Okay, it could be hungry. There might not be enough airflow. It might be iron deficient. There's a whole range of things. Um, we have had a lot of rain and moisture mm. around, so the fungal diseases could be an issue. They will mm. outgrow it. I would suggest um, with roses a six-weekly feeding cycle and deadheading. It takes about 42 to 45 days for a rose to reflower. So if mm. you deadhead them, you'll get another flush in six weeks' time. Yeah. When you're deadheading them, it's a great time to feed them. So right. you can use a range of different things. <laughs> you would be aware there's no shortage of products on the shelves. Uh, there are organic products. Um, I like a slow-release fertiliser. I also like a liquid. You could plug it onto the end of a hose and mm. hose it over and give them a foliar feed. Blood yeah. and bone. Um you know, whatever you've got in the garden shed, clean out your shed, work out what you've got, what you can use, and then have a look at the hardware and nursery stores to see what else is available and try something different and look for the results. Right. So if there's no rust or black spot on it, it's likely to be iron, you think? Because he, he does feed them and things like that. Mm. And mm. It's, not, it's not a circulation thing because they don't actually have an awful lot around them at all. Well, also, look, Caroline, is it the older leaves or is it the newer leaves? If it's older leaves, I wouldn't be as worried. If it's yellowing coming through in new leaves, that might be a bigger issue, particularly oh. if he's feeding them. So yes. send us a photo and we can look further. Oh, all right, then. Yes, I will do. We'll get a photo of it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks for the Thank call. You. Thanks.
Thank you. Thanks, Caroline. Bye. Cheers for that. Nine four eight four one nine two seven. Coming up on the show, as Faye mentioned, we will be chatting with, excuse my voice, Lena Elliott from the Lake House Open Garden. I might get you to speak while I sort my voice. Okay, out. sorry. About well, that. we we have also had another email come in this morning, and this is from Eddie. He said, "Thanks for supplying me the fruit fly trap mixture." I have a compost bin that we use for kitchen waste and there's definitely fruit flies in there. Now, I, I would double check that because you also get a lot of vinegar flies. Yeah, so it's I would the Mediterranean mine. fruit fly that we're targeting. Um, yeah, it, interesting. Anyway, he made up the mixture and the bottle arrangement as the lady on the radio said. I have an orange tree nearby, so place the bottle between the compost and the tree. Also placed an open container with the mixture directly in the compost bin, which has a lid. Over a two-week period, the bottle didn't do very well, but the open container did a lot better. He then got a couple of pieces of both orange and apple, which were well past their use-by date, and placed them in the bottle. After a few days, the pieces of fruit were beginning to smell. Success rate went up. Still not as good as the open container, but that recipe plus a few more are listed on the Ag Department website. Now, the ingredients and this recipe are as follows. One litre of water, one and a half tablespoons of cloudy ammonia, one and a half teaspoons of vanilla essence and 100 grams of sugar. Now, the cloudy ammonia is available from your supermarket stores for under about $3.00. So that's very cheap. Now, when you are making up your bottles, you only need um, a reasonable amount in the bottom of your bottle. Make a couple of holes, perhaps about the size of a five cent piece or thereabouts, not right at the top of the bottle, but lower down Mm -hmm. where it sort of starts to um, balloon out, you know, if it's Mm -hmm. a plastic water bottle. The reason for that is the fruit flies can easily get in the hole, but they would otherwise, if they don't stick in the mixture, they can fly to the top and get out that way. Mm. So by having the holes three quarters of the way up, they're less likely to find the holes and get out. Oh, I see. Mm. Okay. So there's um, cleaning out my shed the other day. I also found a Ceratrap lure that will be used as fruit fly traps. And of course, there are other recipes too, including uh, apple cider vinegar, Vegemite, Things that you might have in the pantry cupboard, Ray. Exactly, exactly. Okay, as I was trying to say, <laughs> here I go again. We are speaking at 20 past eight to Lena Elliott from the Lake House Open Garden. She does specialise in day lilies and bearded iris. This is a garden really not to be missed. It is in Beverly. Wonderful day out, absolutely wonderful day out and a gardener that will not disappoint you. We're chatting with Lena at 20 past eight, which is about now. And we, our special guest in the studio this morning, the one and only Chris Oliver. Exactly. Our fruit tree yes. man or our tree man. So yeah. if, if people have got problems with their fruit trees, oh, yes. um, particularly in-depth problem if you've got a, a trouble with your trunk or you're not sure about the specifics of pruning yes uh, there's certainly still lots to do in in the orchard right now right yes there is mm-hmm. all right uh let's just go to safety bait then we'll have a little break and then hopefully chris will be joining us tanya good morning 
Good morning, ladies. How are you? We're good. good. Thanks, Tanya. Thank you. That's good. Now, I've got a problem with my cow, and I really don't know what the heck is going on. I planted some new kale a little about oh, a little while ago, and then I found two of them started dying off. Right, and they were out in the sun. And then I had the other another two I planted, which I got covered with a shade cloth. And now I'm having the same problem with my original ones. And then I noticed a big one I've had for over two years. Within a space of a week, it's gone. Like it's gone like lace. There's no oh. green foliage or anything. Lace. So I thought, right, mm. now, with the remaining two, I checked it the last couple of days, and I checked behind the leaves. It's not the cabbage moth. But these little itty bitty um, worms, they're as big as a centimetre, some um, various sizes underneath. Mm, okay. So, yes, so yesterday morning, I actually took them all off, killed them, and then yesterday afternoon I went back, and there was just as many there. There was what? Just as many of them there. Yes. Okay. It sounds like you've got the cluster caterpillar. Yeah. And they can make short work. When when you look at the back of your leaves, Tanya, look for um, the eggs, and it looks like they're they're a small patch covered in teddy bear fur, just really fluffy and light brown. So from that, many many will hatch out. What I would do is remove all of the bigger leaves, only leaving the new shoots, okay, and dispose of them. That way, yeah. you've minimised the infestation. Keep yeah, a check on those new leaves, but maybe also spray it with something that will act as a bit of a deterrent. So any of the fish uh, products, uh, seaweed, anything like beta bug is a safe one, um, eco-pest oil, eco-oil, something like that will protect the smaller leaves until you can sort of get on top of it. Yeah. Well, the two plants I've got left... They've, they've only got three or four leaves on them. And this morning I actually picked them again. And once again, there's about 50 of them. Okay. So that's why you need a deterrent. We need to go to a break now. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. So try try a spray on top of it as well. Okay. Thank okay. You. You're welcome. Thanks, Tanya. Bye. Cheers for that. Yes, we do need to have a break. When we return, we're chatting with Lena Elliott from the Lake House Open Garden. It's 25 minutes after 8. You are listening to Let's Talk Gardening with Ray and Faye. As promised, we're chatting with Lena Elliott. Uh, She is the owner of the Lake House Open Garden in Beverly. And where have we put you online to? Lena, thanks for waiting. How are you? Oh, wow. Busy, busy, busy. (laughs) Yes, tell us about it. I thought you would be. Oh, how's your garden looking this morning, Lena? Lovely and fresh. Mm, um, there's a nice, um, slight easterly breeze blowing over the lake, so that's making things look nice and cool. And the CWA um, ladies are setting up for refreshments. They're the beneficiaries of um, the event. Oh, lovely. Oh, tell me what's on the menu, if you can. <laughs> I think uh, morning tea is... Uh, they're famous scones. I think mm. they make them with lemonade. Um, there's a sausage sizzle at lunchtime, cake and uh, biscuits homemade, of course, um, for afternoon tea. 
uh, tea, coffee, I think, and soft drinks and water. Well, that's that's good to know because I'm planning a trip up there tomorrow. So are you? Yes, Fantastic. yes. I'll fill Fantastic. up my car and with people. With people. And then, I was just yeah. I was going to wonder. And make a now. day out of it because mm-hmm. you're in Beautiful. in Beverly, Lena. Well, actually, about thirteen kilometres from the township, in sort of a subdivision called Cokeby. Right. Okay. And tell us about your garden. Yes. Right. What can I say? I I think, as the flyer says, um, this property is about water, and lots of water in the wheat belt is quite a scarce thing. So um, it's a bit of an oasis. And, of course, if you've got lots and lots of water, you can have lots and lots of uh, plants and lawn Mm. and it's always green and um, cooler by about five degrees because of it. Mm. So mostly um, it's the nursery that I specialise in with daylilies and iris and then the rest is gardens um, suited to inland climate which means we have a lot of frost in winter. So it's not a succulent garden, neither is it a um, tropical garden. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of trial and error to see what grows here. Yeah. So when you say frost, so you your temperature range is what to what? Well, um, it could be as much as 50 degrees. Mm. So okay. you wow. have sub-zero sub-zero, sort of maybe even minus two sometimes, which is fine because the bearded iris love it. Mm. And then you're jumping into, you know, 40-ish um, in summer. Mm. Very so, extreme. So is all your garden under reticulation? Uh, pretty much. There's just I've got a new native garden that I'm sort of hand-watering um, occasionally, but it's when you're on a, uh, a big property there's so much to do i know you're a multi-millionaire and can have a team of workers uh you do bits as you go along and that's where i sit i think Mm. so how much of the property is garden oh look there'd probably be mm, five acres oh what five acres of garden well, when I say garden, it's that's inclusive of the nursery, which sort of flows on from the garden. Okay. So I think you'll just have to wait and see for yourself. I oh. know, I know, but I was just thinking, you know, you've got this little house garden around your yes. cottage and, <laughs> and then you've got your nursery and, and now I'm yeah. picturing five acres. It, this is going to be worth the drive. <laughs> well, um, that would be in total. Um, the lake itself is 30 acres. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I yeah. just can't imagine. Yeah, magical. No. And, and Lena, yesterday you sent me some beautiful photos of, of oh, right. daylily and some bearded yes. iris. Yes. And you'll have plants for sale today at, will, over yes, the weekend. Yes. yes, we will. So um, I think there's an expectation that there will be uh, people will be able to purchase. And they're all bare roots, so they're easy to take. Mm. Wonderful. And, of course... Bearded iris will do very well. I know even in my garden, they will grow in areas where they're not getting water, where it isn't reticulated. Correct. That's correct. Now, the secret to the bearded iris on the coastal plain is you must have early season. There's one called Lavender Park, which is probably my number one. It's the very first out. Um, It multiplies. It was a medal winner, etc., 
So uh, that's the secret, is Um. go for the early season. A few mid-season is fine, but the late season wouldn't do well at all. But the Louisiana iris, they will flower independently on the coastal plain. So there's that option as well. Mm. And, of course, they'll grow in a pond or a bowl of water. Yeah, Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And they sit quite comfortably on the lake edge, but equally you can grow them in garden beds. If you're a little bit clever, just dig a hole, line it with a little bit of plastic and form a a bog garden. Exactly. Well, I was thinking that's a good idea for a pond that's a bit leaky. It's neither a pond. Yes, yes, yes. Fill it up with iris. Okay, done. Yeah, beautiful. (laughs) All right. That's fantastic. I think, yeah, I look forward to seeing you tomorrow and I hope you have a wonderful weekend, Lena. Well, <laughs> if I can survive, it takes tremendous effort to put these together. Oh, and, uh, yeah, no, we take our hat off to you, Lena. It's such a big job and uh, congratulations for doing oh, it. Thank you. Uh, can you give our listeners the actual address too? Yes, it's lot 8709. That's 8709 Maitland Road in Beverly. It runs off Westdale Road, but it's the last property on the left-hand side. The road is about nine kilometres of gravel, but when you get here, it'll be worth the... It's worth it, and that's <laughs> open from 10 to 4 today to four, and yes. tomorrow. Uh, exactly. And it's yes. an initiative of the Open Garden Scheme as well, so there'll be a lot of refreshments. Everything will be there ready for when when all your... When all your uh, people arrive now, Gar- yes, garden so enthusiasts drink plenty of water lena and mm. enjoy every minute of it <laughs> thank you yeah. look forward to seeing you okay okay thank, thank you cheers for, for that lena. Bye. bye bye okay where are we all right let's head to mun daring margaret good morning Oh, good morning. That sounded like a beautiful garden. Oh, I, really beautiful. I've seen pictures of her garden and I've, I met Lena at the Perth Garden Festival many years ago and right. what what she does is amazing. She's, yeah, one of those people that's inspirational she and is. such a hard worker. Yeah. So yeah. I hope a lot of people go out because it's at Beverly. I think it's going to take us an hour and a half to get there. But it'll be worth it. Oh, at least. Mm. <clears throat> yes, yes, it's a nice drive. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Girls, I'd like to um, just um, ask you quick. Oh, a quick thing about uh, the fruit fly. Yes. Um, I picked up a. My friend gave me some cuttings, and she said, "Oh, this is a fruit fly plant. Have you ever heard of a fruit fly plant?" No, not at all. No, me. <laughs> she couldn't tell me the name of it now. Say, I'm just wondering what is the best address to send this to you because I can't do a photograph. Can you um, do an email, or or you want a a postal well, address? I, I can't. I can't. I had. I was going to thinking of sending you a piece of the plant that she's given oh, me. Oh, okay. Um, cuttings now. Well, you can send it um, to the radio station if you like, Margaret. Have you got a pen? Yes. Okay. Just make it to Let's Talk Gardening. Right. And curtain FM underneath. Right. Okay, GPO box. Right. U1987. U1987. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. U1987. Because I was going to wrap it flat. Mm-hmm. Because um, I was just a bit pu- puzzled and wondering whether it might have been a family of the wormwood. It doesn't smell anything like the wormwood. Mm. My wormwood's very smelly, but um, 
it has got a very faint perfume and it's got a fern leaf, fern-like leaf, but it's green. It's not like the wormwood colour. Right. And I just thought if I put it carefully in a flat, a large envelope flat in between a paper towel in a plastic bag, would yes. that be suitable to that, try and keep yeah. it from deteriorating too much? That's probably the best you can do, Margaret. Um, yeah. Hopefully it gets to us quickly because the risk is that it could go mouldy, but um, the, the well, point is to identify it. So Yeah, that's right. Yep. So, Margaret, to, to let me finish off giving you the, the address, it was Sorry. U1987, U Perth yep. WA, and that postcode is 6845. 6845. Sorry yep. about that, Ray. Um, just quickly, I've, a friend also brought to my attention that you can buy I heard recent uh, in recent years that these fruit fly are attracted to yellow and there is a product you can buy in the supermarkets that are like about a roughly one litre, one and a half litre whatever it is size liquid tea right and it's got bright it might be Lipton's I'm not sure bright yellow on the on, on the, the box label. yep and um, there is, in this bottle, there's a good opportunity to put holes in the bottle because I think Peter Cundall told us to make the holes only about the size of, of a pencil. Right. The of a pencil. Okay. And as you said earlier, you know, between two-thirds and three-quarters up the bottle, not yes. up the top. Yes. For them to get in and they can't get out. But So how much would you, in a 1.25-litre bottle... Would you just have the bottle a quarter full of the bait? That should be more than enough, Margaret. I I personally would just use the small water bottles. I think they're about 400 mils. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, well, anything, I suppose, with a bright... Anything a bright. that you can hang in the tree yellow. that's sort of a bottle. Yeah, I was just thinking of the yellow label to help attract the fruit fly, but I'm sp maybe the, the perfume from the bait... Would, is it going to attract them quicker? It, it the should. Colour? The smell of fruit. I mean, even, you know, young green fruit seems to get stung. So they're around. And I yeah. think also hanging hanging some baits outside of the tree so you're not actually having the fruit flies going into the tree where it might no, just yeah, get exactly. distracted. It's a bit mm. like us when we go to a nursery. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we can end up anywhere, can't we? Drawn by whatever takes out the eye. Yeah. Mm. yeah. All right. Thanks for your call, Margaret. Thank you. Okay. Cheers. Cheers Bye for now. Bye. Okay. Now I know we've got some emails to do, and we'll we be going have. to a break shortly. And on the other side of that, Chris Oliver, our tree expert, will be joining us. So this is mm. the opportunity to have all your questions answered. Now, Karen from Queen's Park has sent in an email. She's having problems with a few of her plants at the moment. Uh, she's got a very old zygo cactus here and it it looks like it's got spots on it. It is a very old plant, Karen. What I would be doing is certainly taking some cuttings of that and refreshing, you know, making some new plants yeah, from it. Yeah. Um, certainly... I know we've talked recently and some of your plants are big and difficult to pot, which is 
I think probably something we all the struggle with. The bane of with. all our existences, <laughs> yeah. quite right. Um, so sometimes I just tackle the longest term project I've had or the easiest, whatever, you know, takes your fancy. But take some cuttings, let them dry out and pot them into any good quality potting mix and don't dry, don't wet them or give them too much water until they've developed some roots and it should be pretty quick at this time of year. But I'd also consider taking the plant and putting it into a slightly bigger pot so that it can regrow some roots and it can at least become a stock plant. You never know, it might surprise you. Come back, put on a lot of new growth after a little trim. I'd also give that some, some seaweed just to kick it along. But, you know, repotting that would certainly help. And you know what? If you've got friends, put on a... a a cup a day and get them over get yourself some bags of potting mix and pots ready i call it a pot on pot on day so you put the teapot on and you put the plant pots on and you just get together with a few friends and get a couple of your jobs done uh, you've also got some parsley here that's got some little oh i'd say they're sort of graying spots now i'm not sure if the bugs come in and attack that it certainly looks like it's over the older leaves. It could even be damage from hail. I would just remove the older leaves. Once again, give it a, a drink of a, a fish or seaweed product. And I think you'll find that the new growth will come away. If it's in a pot that's pot bound, give it a new pot. So get some friends together, put the kettle on, <laughs> yeah. get a cake and get some of your jobs done. Yeah. Quite right. Mm. Okay, good advice. Okay, we'll be back in a moment. You're with Let's Talk Gardening. Ray and Faye and Chris Oliver has joined us in the studio this morning. Good morning, Chris. How good are morning. you? Nice well, and close you. to that microphone, young man. Thank you, thank you. Thank now, you. you're just saying off air how busy you are. We can, we t certainly can relate. Oh, good. Great. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> so here we all are doing our bestest. <laughs> what have you been up to? Wonderful. Yeah, it's been really, really busy and yeah. uh, been doing a lot of um, uh, maintenance of reticulation lately too. Just oh, I can imagine. Yeah. The summer. Retic is another bane of our existence, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. for gardeners. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. a big one. So what should people be doing with their retic now, Chris? Well, just looking at uh, all the lines, really. Mm. First of all, just checking the controllers mm. to making sure that, that everything's working and set up because some of the new ones, they're so computerised, most people don't read the instructions. So I'm finding I get there. I think you can't read the instructions. It's too much. <laughs> true, true. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and so, of course, then you check all the main lines right through, check all the sprays. Get a lot of blockage at, um, over the yeah. uh, the winter when people are not using them and that sort of thing. So it's quite a lot of maintenance to do. So how how do you plan that? You know, you you get armed with your sprinkler heads yeah. and go round and take them all off and yeah, let the well, water run out. What I do, I have a full stock and I carry around in the back of the ute mm. uh, all the bits and pieces that I think I might need plus extras. And, uh, yeah, then I, I start usually at the controller and just make sure it's set up fully. If they don't have a controller, then, you know, just uh, everything's attached to the tap, the hose, and they just go around and you check each line, check the, um, the sprays are working, just turn everything on uh, in, in stages 
and then uh, just work your way through and just get it all going and then set it up and give it a trial run and hopefully it's going. Yeah. Well, I must say I had a bad experience this week when I couldn't turn on some of my zones manually. It would come through automatically and I went, oh, no. We'd looked at it a few times, thought we were up for a new um, controller, yep. had to ring eight stores, so... Be mindful, people. It's handy to have a backup. Yep. Yeah, because and like everything, things yes, are in short yeah. supply. Yes. So I ran yeah. out, got the retic controller, yep. put it on, yep. same problem. So we we then had a capacitor that was only operating at 14%, not 40%. Correct. And that yeah. just stopped. Yeah. What's a We're, capacitor? It's You also get them in your fluoro lights, Ray. It's, uh, it kick-starts things probably the bore to get yeah, going yeah, right and yeah. that failed i suspect it had oh. been failing for a while because it felt like our power was down or you know like yeah. intermittent Something wasn't right. problems mm. yeah. yeah okay anyway yeah, yeah. sorry enough it's, about it's, me it's it's a rabbit it's a rabbit chase isn't it you mm. know, go down a rabbit hole and yeah mm. to find these issues it's hard when you have a property it's handy to have a couple of paper clips too because yeah. the different size paper clips fit beautifully into the little, little holes. Yeah. The sprays. Yeah. Oh, to clean out. To clean I out thought you were sprays. doing a MacGyver. Oh, no. <laughs> no, just to clean out the sprays. It's very handy. Yeah. And lately I've been finding a lot of tiny little slugs oh, in, yeah. the, in the black lines. Oh, they're getting in there. Yeah. 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 And they're hard to get out, you know. Oh, so, yes. Yeah. They live in yeah. there. Yeah. Okay. So just blocking the sprays completely. So. Oh, for goodness sake. Yeah. Yeah, it's a battle, right? It's a battle. I know. Working, I know. Yeah. So we certainly encourage uh, listeners to call in to chat with you this morning, Chris, to talk about right. any issues that they have in general, but certainly around trees because yep. we know you're somewhat of an expert. Faye oh. speaks of you so very highly. Uh, thank well, you. <laughs> just getting back to the retic, I think yeah. that's a really good point to have a backup of everything that you – Use, yep. you know, yep. you will at some point yeah. need, need to replace it. it. Yeah. And let's face it, yeah. it's not a good idea to mix and match and make do yeah. with yeah. things like your pop-up sprinklers because they all need to be the same. You can't just put something that that works in a different way on this the yep. same line yep. and expect a good result. Like there's yeah. ones that will work at low pressure. Yeah. They put out different amounts. So yeah. when you're mixing and matching, and I'm Sure, we kind of all do it. Yeah. Like you really need to upskill people. If you've got pop-up sprinklers, yep. you should have them all the yep. same on the same yep. line. And I always, always ask my clients to make sure that they have all their bits and pieces in separate containers. Yeah. Because nine times out of ten, you go into a place and all the retail They bring out a big box. In a big box, yeah, exactly. And it's a big jumble. another big box. Yeah. And you've yeah. got to spend, you know, 15, 20 minutes going Sorting through Sorting through it. So mm. I say, look, please, you know, have them all organised yes. so I can go straight to it yes. and pick the part I want, you know, and yes. it's so important. I think it just gets very too hard for people. It I does, really do. yeah. All right, we're in Coodanup. Good morning, Carol. How are you going? I'm good, thanks. I hope you're all good. We are. Um, that's great. Um, yes, we've got a um, a large, well, a week, it's large for us, um, about a 1,200 um whatever you call them, square yards, um, property. Yeah, yep, that's um, big. Ha yeah, house on it. And my husband is at 79 getting a little um, tired. Mm. And 
So we've got a we've got a reticulation um, that um, he's put the piping down and, and everything like that, and he's got all these stations so that when we go away, um, so if somebody comes, he's got to teach them how to, uh, which station to turn off to, to do the next one and things like that. So um, is it possible to have um, timers um, on reticulation that go from station to station? Yes, yes, definitely. Uh, there's a huge amount of ways you can set up. You can have your controller with, uh, you know, the automatic stations all through ready to go on. Uh, online one after the other or you can have individual controllers over different sections of the garden and these days you can get some uh, an amazing array of computerized battery operated uh, controllers much cheaper than the main controller which will sort of operate yeah. for you when you're away you know you just set them up as you do a, a major controller so it's, right. it's very handy to, to have have a check around the major stores and you'll find there's a, a an array of uh, different from huge controllers very expensive to tiny little battery operated ones yeah oh okay so we'd have to get um oh if it's battery operated you wouldn't oh I, I don't really understand how it all works, but um, I won't worry about that. Um, so if we've already got the, the bore and everything down, it can be added to that without having to get someone to do the whole reticulation bit again, is it? Yeah, no, that could be added to the bore, yeah, for sure, just to extend it for you, easy. Yeah. So, Chris, what information would Carol need if she's going to a hardware store or, or to a reticulation specialist? We, we really need to see your setup uh, yeah. to sort of um, uh, can, uh, or, you know, come to that sort of uh, idea. But basically, you know, just um, find out, see what your problem is uh, and go to, it's best to go to a reticulation specialist if you've yes, got a, yes. uh, a yeah, real yeah, problem. Yeah, we've got one in Mantra. Because okay, um, some of the big hardware stores, you know, people are not fully trained and they can no. suggest all sorts of alternatives. So if you've got a retic store, go to your specialist first uh, and give them your problem and work from there. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's, that sounds good. I hope my husband's listening to this and the other yeah. Thing, so. yeah, And I'll, no. I'll be making sure my husband listens too. <laughs> all very doable, Carol. Yeah. yeah all all doable. right. That's, yeah. that's lovely. Thank you very much for your help. Okay. You take care. Thank you. You too. Thank Cheers you. For now. Bye. Okay. We'll be back in a moment. Curtain Radio. It's approaching eight minutes to nine. We will be going to the news at nine o'clock. And of course, coming up at 10 a.m. will be Jim Crinan, our cycling DJ with the classic 70s. Now we're straight back out to the lines. Good morning, Caroline. Good morning. Sorry about calling again, but I forgot to mention my reticulation. Um, when I went to put it on, I... I, I the, it's a controller box, I think it is, but I don't know where to go to get it fixed. And I, you know, might have already said it, but I didn't hear it because uh, I don't know who it comes on. It's it's set to come on on a Saturday morning and a Wednesday morning, and I've heard it come on, but I can't check the stations. Right, you need to you need to upskill, Caroline. You mm. need to bite the bullet. If yeah. you don't have a control, if you don't have a manual. Um, yeah. Have a look on the box. Sometimes the instructions are on the inside. The wonderful thing about what I've got is it actually <coughs> pulls out and unplugs 
from the wall. So I can take it and sit at the dining room table, write out all my stations, program it, and really get my head around it. When you understand how it works, you'll better be able to manage it. The other thing that you can do if you don't have the manual is to go on Google, yeah. put, put in the numbers of the controller, and you will get information about how it works. Yeah. Uh, what, what's happened is the LCD, the LCD screen is gone, so you can't actually see anything. Oh, well, that's so, a problem. Yeah. Well, well, how know, old is the unit, Caroline? And, and it, oh, look, <coughs> right. it was here when I got here. Yeah. I think it was right. put in, in the 90s. Caroline, it's a pretty old one. you yeah. have got a good warning that you have a problem and yeah. that that is on its way out. It might last yep. a long time, but yeah. it's not doing its job. Now, I mentioned that I had to phone eight places to get a replacement retic controller. You yes. need, you, I think you need to put this to your top of your list because, let's face it, if without our gardens our are without water, we have an enormous amount of stress. You're lucky you've got a warning. You've got yes. time to do something. If, if yes. it's a good... Where do I go to? You can go to... Uh, go to... Uh, generally, have a look go to if you've got a reticulation specialist um, but if you you need to say look up the book and just see what you need try to analyze the problem um, particularly if you've got a neighbor or someone like that that also can help you with uh, uh, the, able to find out the problem but I, I agree you know just um, see if you can update things it sounds like you it's getting you've pretty got old. places out there Caroline like total eat and all those yeah. types of companies yeah but also, please get three quotes because I'm, yeah, I'm hearing absolutely. some awful stories, yeah. terrible stories. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm worried about. I, <laughs> well, I really don't know what I'm doing. I so coming go to your local retic shop. Yep. Um, give them the details of what you've got. If you're happy yep. with that, you might just be able to easily change it over. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or they might... Yeah. Um, recommend something that is more up to date that's easy oh, okay. for you to use. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. okay. I thought I had to go to an electrician or a plumber or something like that, but you no, might you might need an electrician. Um, but you generally you need to it's start a twenty four with... volt system, so you generally don't need an electrician. But you oh, need right. a specialist to really to come and check install it out. Install it. Yeah. Install it. Okay. Yeah. Lovely. Good luck. Thank you. Thanks for that. Okay. Thanks, Thanks, Caroline. Bye. I have a, a new system that was installed last year. It's a it's a Wi-Fi, oh, and okay. um, I swear by it. Yeah. I swear by mm -hmm. it. I control it off my phone. I would Fantastic. love that, Ray. The problem I have is I don't have Wi-Fi in my shed where my control box is, so yeah, it's yeah. not an option unless you go for a dongle yeah. or something. Yeah. And that's. Yeah. Another level of difficulty. Yeah, mm. yeah. So yes, I tried to set up a Wi-Fi, but again, I had the same problem. I was too far. My shed was too far for, yeah. for yeah. picking up the signal. Yeah. And the other thing, even when your systems are running well, don't forget, many of them have a battery inside it yep. so that if your power goes out, it doesn't lose its information. So for everyone else who's got their retic working fine, don't forget to replace the battery in yeah. your controller. Yeah, yeah, as well. So I could turn my retic on from here if I wanted to right now. Fantastic. Yeah. Show off. Yeah, I am a show off. <laughs> Mo yeah. modern Not very often I have something go right in my world. <laughs> the smart home extends to reticulation. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, and it? you know what? If I can do it, anyone can do yeah. it. Let me tell you, I am not technically savvy. 
Yeah. So oh, it's, I would uh, love it's that. been a blessing. <laughs> yeah, it's been a blessing. Yeah. Okay, now we're heading towards the news for nine o'clock. Is there something there you can cover? Uh, um, take us up to the news, love. I've got lots of things here. What have I got? Oh, I've got newsletters from the societies. I've got flyers from all the shows for the weekend. Um, Morrison's Laurel. Now, there's a. This email's just come in. It it says here it is with a smiley face. It's from Joy, and it looks like a bay bay tree. Uh, and it looks like it's yeah towering over a fence. So I'm not sure what this relates to. Here it is. Here it is. Yep, <laughs> looks like a bay tree. Yep. You're talking about something earlier. Fruit fly plant. Mm, I no, I don't. Know. I don't think it's related. So we need Joy to tell us mm. the relevance. Joy nine four eight four one nine two seven. Just a picture. Yeah, nothing. Oh, hang on. Mm. We, oh, hello gardening. We are desperate. We love our laurel tree, Mediterranean garden. Need it for the triumphal laurel wreaths. How can wow. we stop it suckering without impacting the tree itself? I've cut them off for sixteen years. Bad plan because they spread. Now an octogenarian, cutting them is now an onerous task instead of a joy. I uh, hope you can help. Right, and then the email came in separately. Okay. One of the things with um, cutting off suckers is you've got to remember it's not sufficient just to cut them through the stem at the base. Uh, then they'll, of course, um, continue to grow. So what you've got to do is you've got to dig down a bit and get some roots with them because very often you can trace that root system and that will sort of uh, help to prevent them uh, reoccurring. But it's not sufficient. A lot of people just see them there and cut them off at the base. No, you have to trace the roots and try and get the roots out as well. Fantastic. Yep. Thank you, Chris. Okay, it's nine o'clock. We've jumped up to 20 degrees right now. We're heading for a sunny maximum of 31 for today. Tomorrow, the maximum will be 31. It will be partly cloudy. And on Monday, mostly sunny with a gorgy maximum of 26. And as I mentioned earlier, our rainfall for November, which happened during the week, <laughs> 41.2 degrees. Gee, how's our weather patterns, guys? It's just amazing, isn't Incredible. it? We, we must be very resilient. We're 31 today, and look how we were on the, the storms that we had on, was it Tuesday night? Yep. Wow. Yeah, it absolutely pelted down where yeah. we were. Just incredible. We're still yeah. having fires at night. Yeah, you know? we're still putting our heating on. November. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. How's about yeah. you, Father? I, you I get... had my first swim this week oh, on really? that stormy day. Oh, lovely. <laughs> yeah, but I like, I love, I love swimming anytime yeah. and I love to swim in the rain actually. So yeah. yeah, why not? Yeah. So, but we will get to summer and we'll, we're getting there. We're moving in the right direction. Although I do think there's a little bit of rain coming up uh, later in the week. Mm. How are the fruit trees responding to all this, Chris? Yeah. Things are drying up really quickly. It's That's, amazing. Isn't that amazing, uh, right? Particularly lawns and that, you know, yeah. really that had been previously green and um, been mowing once a week virtually. Now, you know, the waters, you've got to go onto them. And yeah. it's such a shame because it's, uh, to me, I'm not in a good sort of lawn advocate because it's just saving, wasting so much of our water, mm. precious resource. And besides all the fertilisers and costs that you've got to pour into it to 
to keep them going, looking good. But um, the fruit trees seem to be surviving quite well, particularly for those that have um, um, made plans for good mulching and uh, uh, and have got a good made up a good soil for them. You know, so it's they're doing quite well at the moment. From so I heard reports of. Um, Foliage trees changing colour. Yes. Yeah. A couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Autumn colour. You know, yeah. like fall leaves, yeah. oranges and yellows. Oh, climate change. <laughs> and like with the roses this year, you know, that many places I've been to, they haven't even defoliated. You know, the the, the leaves have still remain green. So mm. I've been pruning through foliage. And the same with, you know, sort of apples and pears at the moment. They've been late because of the cold and wet weather. Yeah. And as I say, we, you know, I'm still advocating that people prune them still at this time mm. uh, because they're so late in, in, in bursting out and flowering. Um, but I think with the wet, with the warm weather coming up, it's going to be a big change mm. very quickly. Yeah. That's the thing. It'll happen like, you know, yeah. just overnight, won't it? Yeah. It and we've got, to, we've got to go with it, roll yeah. with it. Yeah, so yeah. be ready. Yeah, and then there'll sure. be other issues around that. <laughs> I know. I Last weekend we had a question and we talked about it being on a podcast. I couldn't remember what the question was at the time, but I've just got triggered. And it was about water, like how much water does a fruit tree need? And, you know, someone will say, oh, I give it about a bucket a day. Yeah. You know, like yeah. is that adequate? I think um, what you've got to assess is so many factors because, you know, you've got to start with the soil, uh, have a check your soil as to how much uh, water retention have you got, if you've got sort of texture or su structure change, uh, and then how much you've built into the soil to preserve moisture and that sort of thing. Then you've got to look at the actual fruit tree itself, um, its root system, how, how healthy it is, uh, or how unhealthy it is to pour more water and nutrients. There's a whole lot of factors you need to look at just to assess. But generally, I'd say, like, I water at home and my fruit tree is probably 20 to 30 years old in the main. But through the summer months, if it's over 30, uh, particularly up into 35s, I'd give them at least 20 minutes uh, a week. Uh, most fruit trees, that's deciduous and evergreen. But it, that's just my property. Mm. We've got so very. Have you got clay soil? No, the very gravelly, uh, well-drained soils. Uh, they've been enriched with uh, lots of um, manures and so forth uh, over the years, um, uh, but they have got a better, improved watering holding capacity. So, now. Chris, you've been to my place. Yep. We're on sand. I improved the soil when the trees were planted. Yep. It's Jandicott sand, very good drainage. Yeah. 20 minutes wouldn't cut it once a week yeah. for yeah. my fruit trees. They yeah. they yeah. would just yeah. be yeah. struggling. Yeah, because the sands, you really, you know, high drainage and just get the water just go straight through. You really need to, yeah, to build up your, your mm. mulching and your, your, your manures and things like that just to improve because mm. most fruit trees, as you know, you know, have surface rooting and so they dry out very quickly. And you can tell by looking at the plant. So I've got yeah. two mulberry trees. Yeah. One's established. I bought it as a white mulberry. Yep. It is now about 10 metres 
Mm. Oh, no, maybe six metres across. Yeah. And six metres... Oh, how tall would it be? As tall as the water tank. Yeah, God, that'd be but good. Three, 15, two. 12 to 15 metres, yeah, probably higher. Feet. Feet, yeah. Oh, yeah. feet. Yeah, 12, about 20 feet or so, yeah. Yep, and oh, yeah. those fruits are big. Yeah. They get uh, retic from the veggie garden yeah. and they take a lot of the water yeah. from it because yeah. it splashes against their leaves. And the leaves are big and the fruit's big. I've got another one next to the rainwater tank. The leaves are yellow, they're small, and the fruit is small and dry. Yeah. So two different plants within a, a similar area. Yeah. I can tell that, that that one is not getting enough water yeah. and food. One of the things that's useful uh, to do with your fruit trees, because uh, they would show stress slowly, whereas if you put what I call indicator plants... Uh, annual plants, so forth, for mm. rapidly growing little annual plants, maybe just in pots, one or two near your fruit tree, and just watch yes. when they start to wilt. Mm. And when they start to wilt, then, you know, they, they can recover. Yeah. But what you've got to do, if, you th if the little indicator plant re really w falls over, then you're approaching what's called permanent wilting point. Mm. And that's permanent wilting as in dead. Yeah, as yeah. it's right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And that's when you're really, you really know, you should have put your water on, yep. but you can yeah. tell by the, the various stages of wilting very key yeah. closely with your little indicator plants. And and uh, it saves a lot of stress on fruit trees mm. to have that sort of thing around, yeah, for sure. Cuz we were talking about citrus and and, you know, of course it does depend. Like if it's in the ground, it's well established, yeah. it's probably tapped into some water. Yep. Whereas if it's in a pot, yep. you know, we looked at figures some years ago and and they kind of require seven litres a day, which is yep. like a, a yeah. bucket. bucket. And mm. that was a small yeah. tree. Yeah. So as it gets bigger, mm. you're looking at three or four buckets a day. Mm. Mm. And I think even the commercial growers were giving them a lot more than that to get their mm. results. And the indicator there is, of course, with citrus is the beginning of the leaves to curl. Yes. And uh, some citrus, like mandarins, tend to curl much faster than some of the oranges and even lemons. Lemons seem to be the toughest of all. Mm. Um, but uh, just watch for that slight curling of the leaf. And as soon as that happens, they really need water. Mm. Yeah, for sure. And they recover well. Like, for example, when you, uh, they're obviously, for want of a better word, dehydrating. Yeah. Can they recover well? Like, does it do the damage to their... Gen generally, they recover fairly well, as long as yeah. you get them before that sort of um, semi-wilting point yeah. stage. Yeah. And the other thing, important thing, is to make sure if you've got sort of um, irrigation that it's at the right place uh, in your fruit tree uh, zone. You know, just inside the drip line the drip and line, just yeah. outside the drip line. Okay. And that's where most of the feeder roots would take up moisture and nutrients are. Mm. It's no Not good. at the base of the tree. Don't mm. have your system at the base of the tree. Yeah. Uh, it's just wasting water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I imagine, too, if it does suffer stress from lack of water, yep. depending on what time, it can be critical because it can upset the fruit set. Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah that mm. was what I was sure. alluding to. Yeah, mm. no, if you don't get that flow, like with my cherries yeah. at the moment, wow, thank goodness this is the first year for three years we've got a decent crop. Wow. So thank goodness we've had that cold weather. Yeah, that's right. That chill. 
So uh, I'm sort of over the moon this year now. <laughs> so I'm keeping the water up to them to of keep course. them swelling. Yeah, <laughs> no, for sure. Yeah. So what about what about uh, feeding programs at the moment? With with fertilising, mm. yeah. Um, what I suggest too, uh, one of the best ways if you're finding a little bit of stress in your trees and that sort of thing, give them a liquid feed. It's often sort of um, a, you know the first thing that will be able to be taken up, up absorbed more quickly. Mm. Yeah, more of a weekly. Uh, even sometimes twice weekly. If so, you do see. you mean foliar or no uh, just root, 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 fruit basis, liquid, liquid fertilizer liquid to the roots? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So weekly, weekly. Weekly, <laughs> even more so. I'd say you know if the tree is really under stress, but twice weekly, and then you can gradually wean them off uh, weekly, then fortnightly maybe you know, and then let the other reticulation take over. Um, but uh, yeah, f- uh, foliar feeds. Some people believe in them, but yeah. uh, you know, tree, the leaves of most trees don't take in a high percentage of nutrients from foliar. It's it's just a supplementary thing that um, sometimes mm. when there's a lot of stress about. Uh, but I don't have a lot of um, confidence in foliar yeah. feeding. Yeah, it's not yeah. also not easy when we're talking about bigger trees. No, yeah, isn't yeah, it? yeah, just to so, sort of. What about pruning, Chris, and, and uh, pest management, so birds and bugs? Yep. Um, well, with pruning, as I said, apples and pears still at this time of the year, you can still get through them. But general trees, garden trees, um, just just watch to see, again, wilting. Certain trees, you know, that are non-native, uh, as you know, sort of take in more, need more moisture. So you need to check them out, particularly when they're young. I believe in sort of even in any type of soil just to sort of um, give them a lot of TLC while they're young, get them established and then wean them off and try and sort of get them acclimatised because every garden to me has a different ecosystem that you really need to know your own environment Mm. and it's not always easy to go next door neighbour even. Sometimes it's helpful to know what plants are doing well but it, get to know your own garden, um, the climate really associated with it and the plants that will do, your soils and so forth, and work on that uh, and then you'll get success. Um, yep, sure. Okay. I think it's time to send someone shopping with a $75 gift voucher. How does that sound? You must be a Curtin FM member and not to have won a prize in the last 28 days. Now, of course, we're talking about our weekly gift voucher, $75 worth from Bigger Trees up there in Pickering Brook now. Bigger Trees specialise in frangipanis, ornamental and fruit trees. Funny that we're talking about them right now. And interestingly enough, Bigger Trees also stock a lot of the rarer varieties of frangies. So worth checking it out, their extensive range for all those extra special colours that uh, we all look for these days. So you can check out their website, which is biggertrees.com.au. Here is my question. Which flower has a name that means nose twister or nose tweaker? Which flower has a name that means nose twister or nose tweaker? Where does John, John come up with these stuff. things? Oh, he's a quirky, quirky, funny boy. He must, he must, he must dream this stuff up in the middle of the night. I yeah. reckon. Nine four eight four one nine two seven. Give Bev a call now. 
And a $75 gift voucher will be on its way to you, to the fabulous bigger trees. Have you ever been up there, Chris? No, I haven't, but a lot of my clients have. Yeah. And uh, they speak highly of it. And yeah. prices are good. Yes. Yep. And uh, they've got a good range. Huge range. range. Yeah, huge range. Mm. So it's... And they look after you. They look after you. Yeah. And, of course, when you go up there, everything looks fantastic. And it's just it beautifully does. set up. It's such a big nursery, but it's immaculate. Yeah. How often do you see that these days? You yeah. know, the way that it's maintained. Yeah. Wow. We... Yes. Okay. That's wonderful. Yeah. Pests, Chris. Mm. Pests. A bit uh, of scale around. Yeah, a bit of scale around. Um, uh, aphis, uh, particularly on the new tips of roses, of course. Um, <clears throat> what else have we got? Um um, mealy bug, uh, caught a bit of mealy bug out at the moment. Um, and yep. how do how do you manage the pests? Generally, uh, the best way I I've always believed in what's IPM, you know, integrated pest management. Uh, the thing is to uh, you can use a lot of preventative sprays and that sort of thing, but it's just putting a lot of chemicals on really. Mm. So my system is with IPM is to just look at when it first appears and to analyse uh, how bad and how serious it is, whether it's just an isolated patch of the, the plant or whether it's uh, widespread, then you know where to control. And spot control is, is much cheaper and safer for the environment uh, in total all around. And try to look more so for some of your organic um, particularly pest controls, neem oil and so forth. Uh, it's much better for the environment these days just to do that. Yeah. Um, uh, because once you start to use... Fungicides are okay, you know, they're not so harmful uh, to the environment, but once you get your insecticides, then that's where you get problems with... Um, the damage uh, that the they damage do. The damage that they can do to the environment. Mm. But and, and if you do use them, so use that integrated pest management sort of system where you just control spot outbreaks as they occur. Uh, don't go to preventative sprays through all. You're wasting money and very often it doesn't hit the target mm. that you're looking at. Yeah. Okay, very good information. 94841927. Now we do have a winner and Anne Marie, congratulations Anne Marie, uh, $75 voucher will be on its way to you. And of course the question was which flower has a name that means nose twister or nose tweaker? This answer is the nasturtium. Ha ha. <laughs> okay, we'll be back in a moment. Curtain radio. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening, 23 minutes after nine. Special guest in the studio, Chris Oliver, expert, pruner, advisor, troubleshooter of all things horticultural. <laughs> How's that for a wrap? That's oh, a good wrap, wow. isn't Let, it? Let's go to Mount Pleasant. Joy, good morning. Oh, hello, Joy. Oh, um, I'm not sure, but there seems to be a problem with the phone cutting out. Oh, that's yeah. No, not good. I, not we good can't line. hear you. Would you. If you like, I can ring you on my landline. That's a better idea. Would you like me to ring now or later? Uh, yes, now is great. Ring, Thanks, ring, Joy. Ring back. Thank you, love. Okay, she's gone. Okay, now we have. I didn't gotten... know people still had landlines. <laughs> yeah, lucky. Um, Nolene sent us in a photo. Oh, it was this was a week or so ago. And it was the bark on a mango. Now, uh, Chris, 
What what would you say about the bark on the mango here? Uh, you need to check the degree of splitting. Generally, it's an environmental problem with um, uh, sudden rush of heat and a lot of moisture, uh, and particularly it occurs during um, the spring growth flush time. But just check uh, the degree of splitting. And if it tends to split beneath the, the outer layer of bark, then, of course, you might need a little bit of tree surgery there. And the whole idea is to try and stimulate the, the regrowth of the, the outer layer, the, the callus tissue, it's called. And that then sort of stimulates to the, the tree itself to seal the wound. Um, and you only need to take off with a very sharp knife about one to two millimetres uh, of growth and that further stimulates to the tree and if it's growing and splitting like that it means that it's good active growth uh, and that should sort of help to seal that wound. Um, and so. you'd also look for other signs of ill health on the tree. Yes, what are the leaves looking yeah, like? Are yeah, they spotty? Yeah. Uh, what is the colour like, yep. and then determine whether it's the new growth or the old growth. Yep. It's quite normal for, for trees yeah. to drop some of their older growth, yep. whereas what's happening currently with the tree will be yep. indicated in the new growth. Yep. If that's healthy and looks well, for sure, mm, that's a good sign. And also, if you've got older trees, it's worthwhile to check for um, wood diseases, wood rotting diseases, like uh, polystictus and armillaria, and see if you've got any little fruiting bodies coming up, then you could have a, a, an infection there with uh, uh, wood rotting diseases, particularly in older trees. And what would you do for wood rotting diseases, Chris? Generally, you've got to sort of scrape the area uh, infected and then apply a good sort of um, fungus uh, dressing, uh, fungicide dressing, and uh, that should help, but you need to keep it up, you know, on a regular basis, even once a week, right. uh, before it tends to sort of disappear. And that that will help, but once it starts, it's hard to get rid of, mm. uh, particularly an old tree, and it could eventually sort of ring bark the whole mm. tree. So, um, for a lot of people that have got fruit trees, I guess maintaining the health of the tree is really important yeah, so yeah, not yeah. having the trees stress through lack of water yeah. um soil improvement yeah i know with one of my plants you mentioned compaction can yeah. be a problem yep so yep. to avoid compacted yeah. areas maybe fork it yeah there's a number of issues there i think you know soil compaction is a big one uh, because a lot of people don't realise, of course, that uh, tree roots, plant roots, need oxygen. Mm. They respire. The cells need to be respiring constantly. And if you've got compaction, then not only do you get a lack of oxygen, but because you get saturation with the irrigation as well too, uh, which stops growth. Yeah. Yeah, so sure. it's an important area. Yeah. So we can fork the soil. Fork the soil, yes, yeah, just with compost. a garden fork. Just get down to the depth of the tines, wiggle it backwards and forwards, and then, of course, um, uh, irrigate straight after that. And also it's important if you can put a little bit of liquid um, fertiliser as well too, just to get that fertiliser down to the root zone for sure. Okay, very, yep. very good. Okay, we do have Joy back online. Joy, thanks for ringing on your landline. Yeah, sorry about that. That's okay. How can we help you, Joy? Well, I have a laurel tree. We have a laurel tree 18 years old. 
and it's out in the front flower bed. We don't ha- we have a pocket handkerchief garden, so everything has to perform in this garden. Um, our problem is the laurel tree suckers, and I've just cut them off for the last 18 years or 15 years, and I just can't do that anymore. And so I'm trying to work out how on earth do you stop it suckering, or how I've sent a couple of photos in. And now the suckering's gone probably a metre, probably getting on for a metre and a half around the tree. Yeah, very difficult to, to do that once it's, um, the roots have spread out and they start to sucker. Um, yeah, if you really need to get someone in to try and sort of follow the, the roots out from the main trunk just to see right. where they are. And as I yeah. said, um, someone recently, you need to actually, when you take the suckers out, take the roots out with it as well too. Don't just cut, right. don't just cut off the suckers because they'll so the instantly grow. The roots must grow. be a long way back towards the tree because when I do yeah. try and pull them out, it's going, the, the roots or whatever it is under the ground is going a long, long, long way. Yeah, yeah. Some of the root stocks of fruit trees do that as well too. Uh, right. And uh, you've just got to try and track them back. Uh, just by digging out, then pulling them in back close to the trunk of the tree. Do you, and then do what you, you do? Yeah. Sorry. Then you need to sort of um, cut out, dig down, and try and cut the where the uh, the suckers originate from the base of the tree. Right. Yeah. Now this is interesting. You're saying this because I went to um, an open garden in Peppermint Grove, and they had four laurels, and the the laurels were surrounded by an iron frame. And they had four great big things coming up from under the ground on each tree. And now I realise they did that so it wouldn't sucker. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yes, um, you're talking about root barriers here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very useful, yes, sometimes because if you've got sort of um, surface feeder roots, uh, you can put a root barrier down. Uh, it needs to be... Um, uh, at least, uh, you know, around about 30 centimetres, the old foot uh, deep. Yes. And you can buy them from most um, garden stores these days, uh, a metal ones that you can actually oh, hammer good. in. And that does good. help I, to prevent, yeah. It looks like I've got a, a spring-summer job on. Yes, it does, definitely, <laughs> yes. yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, no, thank you so point. much for your help. Yeah. All right, well, good luck, Joy. Take care. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. All right, we're heading to Meadow Springs. Lynn, good morning. Good morning. Um, I've got a, I think it's a fern called a holly fern. It was really flourishing and in the last couple of days I've noticed that it's had a real infestation of um, scale and I've sprayed it fairly liberally with um, a specific scale spray but it doesn't seem to be responding. It's probably about a, a week since I gave it its first spray um, and I sprayed right down to where it's coming out of its pot okay, out what, of the soil. What did you spray it with, Lynn? Um, I think it's a Yates product. It actually has on the front of the label um, scale and various other things okay. that it's um, specifically for. Yep, okay, that's good. What you can do is just scrape the scale. If it flicks off easily and it's dry, it's dead but the, oh, the scale will actually stay there. So you may have treated it, but it will still be there and oh, okay. just dead. Yeah. The other thing is that they have quite obvious 
spores. Yes, I was thinking that. So, mm. ju- you know, just double check that it is scale and not spores. Um, it's actually um, probably, I suppose, the spore is probably about half a millimetre, but the scale are a bigger, browner, and um, right along the actual um, stem, not on the back of the leaf, like you get the spore okay. for burns. Yes, yes. okay. Uh, and the other thing is to reduce the foliage. So get rid of the, the older damaged ones so that you're left with yep. the new growth and monitor oh, that. And you might, yeah. you know, you'll probably manage it that way. But by doing that, you're creating more airflow and right. less chance of any any that haven't actually died sort of moving around or proliferating. And if you're making up the, the, you make up the spray yourself, or using it from a pressure pack. I'm using it from a like a hand gun pressure pack thing um, that I bought at one of the nurseries um, specifically for scale. But um, I've used it fairly liberally where they were really um, heavily infested. In fact, I cut off the worst of them because I thought I'll stick them straight in the bin because they. Um, need to be away from the plant in case it sort of, um, you know, multiplies. Um, And not that they had any trouble doing that from the look of it. But um, the thing is, um, if I cut off mainly the foliage with ferns, they seem to regenerate fairly easily. So um, is it possible I could overspray with that stuff or is it, um, you know, just for the bugs? One of the things you can do to just to help sort of the spray stick, if you're making yep. up the spray yourself, just add a little bit of um, washing up detergent uh, to oh, your okay. spray because it just helps greatly because uh, you're due to get a lot of sort of um, uh, water resistance on scales. And uh, the first spray, of, if you're using a, uh, an oil-based spray, <laughs> which is the one recommended, then, of course, uh-huh. uh, you know, you could lose a lot of, uh, if you don't have a surfactant, it's called, just to help the spray stick. And, and yes, that's sort of a little thing. I put a couple of drops thing. in the commercial one that I bought. Would that really interfere with their product? <laughs> no, no, not really, no, because mostly the commercial products, they wouldn't have the, uh, the surfactant um, added to them. It's just generally yep. the straight um, product, yeah. Okay, thanks for your help. I appreciate that. Yeah, Thank go you. go well then. Take care. Cheers. Bye-bye. And let's go down to Bunbury. Reagan, good morning. Good morning. How are you? We're well, thank you. That's good. Go ahead. Um, sorry? Go ahead, love. You want to talk about a nectarine tree? Yeah, so I have a nectarine tree. It's quite old. When I bought the house, it was probably maybe five to ten years old already. And it's quite close to the fence. And so the previous owners had pruned the back branches, but those branches now don't fruit. And so it's only the front branches that fruit, but the front branches are kind of taking up my whole garden bed. So I also need to prune those, but I'm scared that if I prune them, none of the tree will fruit. (laughs) Yeah, how old is the tree? Um, It's probably maybe 10 years old now. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and, and it's been fairly healthy, is it? Yeah, yeah. So it, fr- the front branches fruit really well and the foliage is really nice. Yep. Um, I'm just not really sure where exactly I should be pruning it to kind of encourage encourage new growth and, and fruiting in the next few years, hopefully. Uh, well, it's a bit late now for general pruning uh, for yep. nectarines because you've yep. got a lot of new growth. But what I would suggest is just check um, for any crossing over wood and things like that uh, shoots. 
uh, and particularly remove dead uh, branches from the inside just to sort of um, allow a little bit more circulation and so forth. Um, okay, yeah. yeah, but uh, you can, with a very soft growth, it's it's not easy to prune at this time of the year because you've got a lot of shoots yep. on nectarines and that. Yep. Uh, so when you, it's dormant, should I be pruning the hardwood mostly when it's dormant? Yes, when it's dormant, and, that's the most important thing for sure. Yeah. yeah, and with the older branches, the ones that no longer fruit, yeah. is there a way to try and encourage growth on those branches? Because they're still alive, like when I peel back the the bark, I guess, they're still alive, but they just don't ever produce suckers. Like they just don't, sorry, not suckers. Um, new lead, new laterals. Like new and yeah. yeah, yeah. One of the things with um, your nectarins and peaches, the same sort of thing, is don't let them go too tall. Uh, okay. Because um, if you let them go too tall, what happens is all the lower leaders, they, they, with the shading and so forth from their surface growth, they tend to sort of um, uh, become fairly um, devoid of any uh, fruit buds. So if you head them back each year, what I generally suggest to people is that uh, uh, stand against a tree, put your hand in the air, and then take yep. another span above that, and that's okay. the average height to which yep. you should grow your trees to. And the more you head them back, the more that you'll get lower growth. And the whole idea with fruit trees is to try and get your fruiting buds along each leader, as, as yep. close as you can to each leader. So it's easier to pick, spray, manage, and generally. Um, but that's the thing, to try and sort of get your growth completely covered and all your buds that go to fruit uh, all up and down the, the main leaders. That's the main thing, yeah. Okay, all right, marvellous. Thank you so much for your help. Okay, dog. Good on you, Reagan. Take care. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. Now, um, Chris, we do, sorry, go ahead. Oh, Chris, with a tree that old, yeah. could could you, uh, or is it a candidate for espaliering? Can you retrain it so that it develops more along the fence line yep. and stays low? Yeah, you could, yeah. Okay. Yeah, just just selecting the right branches in the right direction for sure. And summer yeah. pruning would be a possibility. Yeah, a bit that? of summer pruning, but wait till the um, uh, the the soft growth slows down before you start any summer pruning. Till it, it sort of strengthens up a little bit, and you don't get that sort of really really soft new growth. Yep. Mm. Mm. Okay. No, yeah. I was about to say we do have free lines nine four eight four one nine two seven, and just going across. What is on this weekend? Hope you've got a pen and paper. We have the open garden in Beverly this weekend between 10 and 4. That's called the Lake House Open Garden. It's in Maitland Road, Beverly. The details of that, if you Google Open Garden Scheme WA, all the details will be there. Also, you can go to lakehousenursery.com.au as well. It's a spectacular garden filled with daylilies and bearded iris and everything else. And uh, of course, the lake house conjures up images of a rather large lake, and so it does. And we also have the Fern Society combined with the Palm and Psychic Society of WA plant sale on this weekend uh, from 9 to 4 p.m. today and 9 to 3 p.m. tomorrow. Now that's at the Manning Community Centre which is the corner of Bradshaw Crescent and Jarman Avenue. Uh, there is underground parking available. We strongly recommend you have a look at that one. It will be sensational. And there's also the Cactus and Succulent Society State Championship and Show on this weekend, uh, 10 to 4 p.m. today, 10 to 2 p.m. tomorrow at the South Perth Community Centre, which is on the corner of South 
Terrace and Sandgate Street in South Perth. So lots going on this weekend, guys. Mm. Now, next weekend is the last uh, open garden event. Which one's that one? It is, well, it's a ticketed event at the Home and Garden of Ross Burnett. I know so what you're going to say. last chance. Mm. A rare opportunity to visit this very special home and garden built by Ross Burnett, landscape designer, horticulturalist and environmentalist. When Ross bought his land, he knew it wasn't perfect. It sloped, had poor shallow soil and experienced wet winters and scorching summers. Sounds like most Sounds like Perth. Yeah. Uh, it's now an oasis of colourful, drought-hardy plants thriving in a parched landscape mm. so is this the house that's built with mud it is yes yeah. strawberry fields or strawberry straw farm? bale straw bale no no that's the name of the garden the name of it it's built called, with no no the name of the actual garden the whole garden is strawberry fields or strawberry hill or something like that that's the name of the the garden that is open next weekend okay you that, haven't got that that doesn't say that on this little piece of information. Okay. Um, but All right, next, I'll have a look at it And it looks like it's one day only, November the 21st, 10 to 4. And it's a ticketed event, and if people are oh. interested in checking it out... 20th and 21st of November. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Open if, Gardens WA for go, more details. For th- and next weekend is also the Kalamunda Garden Festival. So I just want to get all that in oh before we go goodness. back to the line. Okay, <laughs> we'll be back in a moment. Curtain Radio. Thank you for your company this morning. This is Let's Talk Gardening and Chris Oliver is awaiting your call. Chris is an expert tree pruner, advisor, troubleshooter of all things horticultural, so an all-round specialist. What would you say your main niche is is it trees mainly trees yeah yeah Yeah, soils particularly i'm interested in just improving of soils and Mm. just management of soils okay um so um fruit trees mainly and my main niche boutique area is of course recovery of uh, old fruit trees fantastic yeah okay all right let's head out to mundaring margaret good morning it's me um I just would like to ask Chris, um, is it um, okay to plant wormwood or tansy underneath fruit and citrus trees to de- help deter the, not to go instead of the bait, but help deter the insects? Yes, definitely, yeah, for sure. And also, it's, it's a good mention because you get a lot of soft growth on those plants uh, to use them as indicator plants for when you need to water your fruit trees uh, because they'll uh-huh. show uh, signs of uh, wilting much earlier than the fruit tree. So you've got a double sort of use there for sure. Oh, that's fantastic, yeah. yes, because I had a call from my friend this morning. She's found the ticket for that plant that I rang earlier to Oh, like, right, say. yes. Asking, had you heard of the fruit fly plant? And my friend happened to ring to say she'd found the ticket, and it is a tansy. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Yes, and it's very successful. She's got it growing under her stone fruit and her citrus. Well, there you go. That's what integrated pest management is all about, Margaret. Yeah, and well, I knew about tansy, but I've never haven't heard the word mentioned on your show for a long time. No, that's true. But um, no, that's so, a good discovery good. again. Fantastic. Yes, I'm going to experiment yeah. with the wormwood and the tansy, not together, yep. but 
under different trees. Yeah, sure. Thank you very much. Great. Thanks for that, Margaret. Cheers. Bye. Bye for now. And let's go to Bayswater. We're saying hello to Annette. Good morning. Good morning, guys. How are we? Very good. good. Thanks, Annette. Thanks. Listen, I don't have a fruit tree, but I've got a beautiful native garden and my kangaroo paws are being destroyed by huge grasshoppers. I mean, they're as thick as your fingers on your hand. Mm. And they're just cutting them off halfway up the stem. Rotten sods. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Mm. I'm being polite. Yeah, me too, (laughs) me too. Right. Chris, what integrated pest management can we perform here? (laughs) That's a hard one. Uh, You can buy sort of baits, uh, uh, which you can scatter around them, which will attract them more. Yeah, Uh, okay. They're not that successful. uh, Well, when I I see them, I go out with the scissors and I turn their body into four pieces. (gasps) Heavens, goodness. Not listening. (laughs) Um, I'm sorry, but my kangaroo paws are more important than these grasshoppers. Yeah, but, uh, you can I, I actually spray them with a retardant as well too. There are a certain uh, sprays you can get uh, which you can actually spray your kangaroo paws with, and that'll stop them actually eating them because it's a uh, it's type poison to them really. So what what's that? Uh, once Chris? they digest it, uh, it's a, it's a, a retardant spray uh, which protects the uh, the actual plant. Uh, from right, not the oil-based one. Yeah, it's it's. I'm not sure. I haven't used it for quite a while. Um, I tried. I tried a oil spray on one of my um, Sandra Gordon grevilleas, and yeah. some of the spray went onto the kangaroo paws, and it went black as the. Oh spray. no, no, no! Yeah. This is a sort of like a bait uh, type of spray, which they're attracted to before they actually start chewing into the actual foliage right. or the stem um, okay. and it's, it's a retardant on the, the grasshopper attack but once you, right. you get a, an attack like that it's pretty hard to, to control oh, them. Oh look, they've set yeah. up house and they've got their family and they're quite happy but I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Chris, how can we find out more about this retardant bait spray? Um, try, well I, I know you, Google of course, Mr Google is always a good way to go and spray to check um, but um, yeah I'll, look I'll have to do a bit more research on it for you and uh, I'll get yeah. get back to you because um, it's it's a very useful thing that just sort of cropped up in my mind and I know it does right. work um, okay uh, also on a really different random question I don't know the name of these kangaroo paws but they grow really tall thin and get as tall as under the eaves of your house and they're green and I don't know the name of it but this year one of the green ones has come out purple Ooh, lucky you yeah that's interesting well that yeah so I've taken photos of it but how would that be possible I mean there's only a tiny bit of violet on the tiny stem of it But it's actually gone as far as the whole kangaroo paw itself is a beautiful violet colour. It could be a sport, uh, which you've sort of fantastically discovered. 
or it could be something which, like a virus or a bacteria, which are changing the colour. Sometimes this sort of with plants tends to change the colour of the, the flower when it comes out, mm. particularly viruses. Um, oh, I thought it would be something like good news. Could well, be <laughs> it, it might be, and if you trace it down to the base, you could actually yep. remove that fan and pot it up yep. into a new pot. Yeah. Yeah. And you may find that all the ones that come from that, you you end up with a clump yeah. that becomes that colour. Yeah. What I found with my older kangaroo paws, I used to have red and yellow. And and green. I've still got the yeah. pale green ones, yeah. but the yeah. others have become this wishy-washy kind of orange yeah. almost. Yeah. So yeah. they've crossed, and that's what I've ended up with. I just keep buying so, new kangaroo paws. And yeah. sometimes so it the, depends so on the, the cross-pollinating, or yes, yeah, yeah. The, the colours sometimes can vary depending on the acidity of the soil or the alkalinity of the soil. You know, like hydrangeas, mm. um, right. but um, that can occur with some other plants too. I'm not sure with kangaroo paws, but yeah. it does occur in plants. Okay. Um, well, my other problem is I've got a three-metre Grevillea Sandra Gordon and two Dorothy Gordons, one either side of it, and that the Dorothy ones are only a metre high, but the little ones have black spot and it's starting to spread to the big tree. How do you spray a whole tree successfully? And yeah. we might come to that. We need to go to a yep. break now. Yep. So we'll answer yep. that on the other side for you if you right. just... Um, yep. yep. Thank you. Uh, yep. Okay. No I, I will hang up and we'll answer this um, after the yep. break. Thanks, love. Lovely. Okay. Thank you. When we return, we're chatting with Glennis, Carol and Michael. Curtain Radio. You are with Let's Talk Gardening and we do need to go back out to the line, but we're just going to quickly respond to our last call. Yeah, okay. Now, what I suggest is a sulphur-based spray. It sounds like a fungus problem. Uh, so just try that uh, and try a small section of it first just to see how it works. Okay, I think that's the best solution at this stage that we can see without actually seeing it. Mm. So we've got seven minutes of the show left, uh, three more callers on the board. So we'll plough through before we get to the end of the show, right? Okay, we're in Kinross. Carol, good morning. Morning, Carol. Good morning. Good morning, girls. I have a poinsettia, which um, I was given one for Christmas last year, and after the bricks had uh, finished their gorgeous red, I put it outside and treated it like a, a pot plant, and it's died. Now, I've, I bought another one halfway through the year, and it's just starting to fade now. How do I transition it to outside? I was treating it like a, um, a pot plant under the pergola. And that, that should be fine, Carol. Sometimes when we buy them, they're in a, a damp... Koya peat uh, potting mix and it's not ideal long term. So the sooner they go from that into a an indoor or outdoor potting mix, good quality potting mix, and into a bigger size pot, that to me would be one that, of the that first was what steps. what I did when I put it outside. Okay. Yeah. So that, I was hoping to put it in the garden eventually. Yes, that, yeah. that should be fine. Yep. 
But if you put them in the garden, put them into a really good soil initially to transition them as well too because they need to be hardened off. Yeah, for sure. Ah, okay, oh, we'll try again with this one. Okay, thank you. Yeah, okay, good luck. Good luck. Cheers. And let's go to Willerton. We're talking about a plum tree. Hi, Michael. Oh, good morning, everybody. Morning. morning. I've, inher- morning. I've inherited a uh, black plum tree about 10 years ago. Uh, the roots are very shallow, but it's uh, sprouting from the uh, shallow roots, uh, throwing up shoots. What can I do to stop this, please? Okay, it sounds like it's suckering from the base, from the rootstock. Yeah. Yes, I heard that earlier on, suckering, but I didn't fully understand the yeah. terminology. Yeah, so do I have to cut those? Uh, yeah, those big no, roots don't just cut them off. Them. Actually, dig them out. Dig them out yep. to try and get the root system out as well. Uh, if you just cut them off, they'll just reshoot from the base again. So try and dig them out as uh, as much as you can with a little bit of root system. Chris, would okay. you? Can you tear those? Uh, you can, yeah. And sometimes it's best to tear them out rather than uh, actually pull them out. Yeah. So as long as you can get as much of the root system as you possibly can. Mm, but not to cut them because they just come back. They just come back more prolific. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. All right, Michael. You yeah. happy with that? Oh, I'll try, but I, do I have to cut the main root back to the main tree, main stump? No, no, just uh, where the suckers come through, uh, just pull them out, but make sure that you get a bit of root system with them because that's part of the root stock, it sounds like, that's that's trying yeah. to sort okay. of uh, regrow. Okay. Yeah. I'll give it a try. I've been doing it for about 10 years, but mm. uh, yeah. they're, get, they're, getting, they're getting bigger every year. Yeah. Thank you for your help. Okay. okay. Thanks, Michael. Bye. And let me say, today's show has been sponsored by Soil Solver, Landscape Industries Association Product of the Year. The answer lies in the soil. And so it does. We're in Como. Glennis, good morning. Good morning. Hi. How can we help you, Glennis? My three-foot-high hollyhocks have a lot of rust on the leaves. (laughs) I've sprayed it with Mancozeb Plus. And uh, it does nothing. It's not affecting the flowering. They're absolutely gorgeous, and all their extra branches are flowering as well. But um, I've pulled a lot of the leaves off, but I thought I could spray them with something so they looked even more beautiful. <laughs> yeah, once once a fungus uh, disease has onset, it's very hard to control it. Um, oh. Only way you can do it by preventative means. And uh, as I said uh, to someone before, also just try a little bit of um, uh, household um, dishwashing fluid with oh, it okay. to help yeah. to spread the, the fungicide. And it's mainly just trying to prevent the extra new growth because mm-hmm. you won't really control apart from taking the old leaves off and things like that. No. Yeah. Okay. And when they finish flowering, how far down should I cut them? Um, they come up again, don't they? Yeah, they'll, they'll reshoot again, so you can actually cut them fairly close. Don't cut them right off to the root system, though. Just cut, no. leave a little bit of ba- stem at the base uh, okay. and allow them to reshoot, yeah. All right, thank you very much. Right. I'll add some dishwashing liquid. Yep. Thank you to everybody. Love the show always. Oh, thank, thank you, Glenis. Bye-bye. Bye for now. And, Ray, one lucky last email. This yeah. came in from Rosemary, and it's the beautiful Corazima. And something's had a little nibble at the leaves. And do you know what? I That actually brings a smile to my yeah. face because I know that there is a native butterfly that uses the Corazima as its food plant. Ah. And so 
it's it's supporting wildlife and yeah. habitat and yeah. the ecosystem. So it it would be a little caterpillar there, Rosemary. I wouldn't worry too much. Yeah. Um, the the plant will make new growth, and you you should have butterflies around soon. So keep an eye out for them. Great. Gorgeous. Wonderful. Okay, now just getting back to, we were talking about the Open Garden next weekend, which is the final Open Garden for the year. It is a ticketed event. You can go to Try Booking to book your ticket. It is a ticketed event. It is called Straw Farm with Ross Burnett. It's on next weekend, the 20th and the 21st of November. It's a special garden. It was on Better Gardening Australia. It was, yes. Yeah, not that long ago as well. Very, very special garden and it's situated in the Swan Valley, okay? So uh, it's called the Straw Farm and you can get tickets to this at trybooking.com if you're not a member of the Open Gardens WA scheme and we certainly encourage you to become a member uh, of the Open Gardens to support our gardening industry here in in WA. My most important, okay, my goodness, it's just sort of everything comes to bottlenecks (laughs) at the end of this show every week. Uh, (laughs) Thanks everyone for your company. Big thanks to... Bev Daring and John Glidden and my bad earlier. It's George Minoldi in the chair with the classic 60s. I said poor old Jim, so my bad. <laughs> I apologise for that. Classic 60s, a very special George Minoldi who we dearly love, one of our, one of the part of a very big stable favorites. here at Curtain Radio. Favorites. Hey? Favourite. Favourite, your absolute <laughs> favourite. That goes without saying. Chris, thank you. So very, very much. Yeah, uh, we, we love you dearly. If people want to get in contact with you, how do they do that? Do you have uh, a website? Uh, no, I don't have a website, no. but uh, they can email me at wilburn1 at bigpond.net.au mm-hmm. or just give me a call on 0422 <laughs> Be happy to. We can connect people. Great. All right. yeah, no, thank you sure. very much. Thank you. And Fayakara, of no course. No worries. All right, big weekend, everyone. Get out there and do your thing. My gardenism for the morning is the most lasting and pure gladness comes to me from my garden, and so it does. Happy gardening, everybody. We hope you've enjoyed listening to another edition of Let's Talk Gardening on Curtain Radio. Happy gardening.